Welcome to another episode. I am V and this is the Sussex set. Thank you guys for tuning in as always. So much to talk about in this episode. My schedule got pushed back probably about a week um, and I've had to basically come up with a new recording schedule because it takes quite a bit of time for me to prepare each episode as well as find the time to record and edit and upload on time while living life. <laughs> so um, my schedule changed quite quite a bit in the past week or two. So I think I've mapped out pretty well how I'm going to proceed with the uh, schedule of recording and all of that just so I can get my episodes out on Thursdays because I do like Thursdays. But that being said, thank you guys so much for your patience and for allowing me to get that together because life happens, you know. So let's get right into the charity spotlight. In this week's episode, I want to focus on the Ujama Children's Home. They are one of the charities that Sussex Royal is following on Instagram. Just to remind you, their theme for the month of October is community. What I love is that when they switch up who they follow every month, unfollow, and then follow a new group of people, they tend to focus it around a theme. Maybe it's what they're thinking about or what they're focusing on. Maybe it has to do with, it seems to me, it seems like it had a lot to do with um, the vibe or the aim of the tour. It was very community-based, community oriented. And so continuing on with that theme of the types of accounts that they want to follow and Ujamaa definitely fits into that label of community. Ujamaa is a children's home in Tanzania that is more than just an orphanage. It was founded in December of 2009 by two Australian women, Carly McComb and Lucy Bradlow. Their goal was simply to give children in need the love, security and support of a family and for them to find a place to call home. Well, it started with two young girls, and they now have 17 children between the ages of three years old and 19 years old, but they have a capacity for 20 children in the home. Here's a statement taken directly from their website. I find that I'm going to be doing that a lot more because they can speak for themselves better than anybody else can. And it'll give you a better idea of exactly what they stand for. By the way, Ujama is Swahili, and it's a word that means extended family. And it's based on the individual working for the good of the whole community. So that gives a little background for the name itself. So the statement reads, Ujama's children's home isn't just an orphanage, it's a home. We raise our children in a family environment where they live together as brothers and sisters, and this bond will remain for the rest of their lives. We provide the highest level of care and education, and we do this by maintaining small numbers and a close-knit family. We give our kids the chance to live happy and fulfilled lives as adults by providing primary and secondary education, as well as support with further study, university or trade school, based on what they want to do. We don't stop supporting them just because they turn 18 years old. This is a long-term commitment, and we are excited to see our children grow into the exceptional adults we know they have the potential to become. That is incredible. I know 
we kind of think of a stereotype of an orphanage or a children's home as being just somewhere where children are put because they're neglected or they may not have a family. Well, it really sounds like the family environment that they create is so beneficial for the children that do find themselves at Ujamaa Children's Home. Um, And really, that's how a children's home should be. This really should be the norm and not the exception. Um, That really sounds like such a wonderful environment. And it's great to hear about the investment that the children's home itself makes in the children who are residents of the home. So, In short, their goal is to change the cycle of poverty in Tanzania one child at a time, and certainly every effort helps. If you go to their website, ujamachildren.com, you'll see a great documentary about the home and how they help the children there. They try to foster a sense of home life and balance for the kids where it's not just a roof over their heads. They're seen as kids with dreams, just as any other kid that comes from their own family would be seen. And Ujama seeks to develop and protect these kids' dreams, too. I'll link in the description the documentary. It's very, very touching, so please watch it if you have time, as well as the website itself. But please go to ujamachildren.com to learn about the children's home, as well as seeing how you can participate in furthering the success of the orphanage, because in doing so, you help to protect the light of an innocent child. And of course, we all want to be able to do that if we are able to. So let's get into some goings on. I feel like it's been forever, but um, I'm going to be hitting on a lot of things and I'm going to try not to beat any dead horses (laughs) in this episode because I know so much of what I am going to talk about. You guys have maybe already... um, you know, it's kind of old. It's kind of older. This is something that probably should have been on last Thursday's episode when I didn't have the time to actually do it. But um, I ended the last episode talking about one of Harry's patronages, the Well Child Charity, and how we were expecting to see Harry and Meghan at the Well Child Awards, what it was for, and you know the way they choose the honorees. And I also read two of the background stories of two of the fifteen recipients. One was for Emmy and one was for Dr. Coy, just to kind of refresh our memory here. Well, Well Child is, as I'm beginning to know so many of the charities that they are affiliated with, that they do work with and on behalf of, Well Child definitely sticks out as one of my favorites. And it's a force not just because it helps seriously ill children, but it empowers them to thrive. And many times, thrive for the benefit of others, as we saw with many of the recipients of the 2019 Well Child Awards. Um, And I hope that little segment at the end of the previous episode, I believe this is episode 30, um, I hope that gives people a little bit of context. Of course, on this side of it, we know a lot more about each of the recipients, but a little more context to someone who may be a little newer to Sussex watching, really, uh, who wanted to know what that was all about, especially if the first they've ever heard of the Well Child Awards was Harry's speech, which basically made global news. So also, I forgot to mention last week, you may remember Well Child was one of the chosen charities for the Global Sussex Baby Shower, which was done around Mother's Day. Shout out to Free Peeper for her work on that and for getting that going 
she shared a, a DM from Welch, Wellchild that said that raised over 15,000 pounds, which is not a small amount uh, for the charity. And which is that's so amazing because it's, I mean, this charity is phenomenal. Um, they do such great things and things that can't even quite be measured, you know, for the the what they give back to these families. Um but that's massive, uh, and especially when those funds were unexpected. Like all of a sudden, they realized they were the recipient of the global one of the recipients of um, the Global Sussex Baby Showers efforts, our fundraising efforts, and that's all. That's amazing. So shout out to Free Peeper for organizing that, and of course to uh, the squad for bringing that to life because um, certainly Well Child is very deserving as so many others are as well. But I love Well Child. So this past, really, not this past Tuesday, the Tuesday before last, um, we saw both Harry and Megan at the Well Child Awards. And the first time we saw them together after the Africa tour ended. So that engagement for the Sussexes was very touching in so many ways. And I just want to talk about that for a second. So first and foremost, Megan looks insanely good. Okay. Um, Like her new name is your royal thickness, her royal thickness. Uh, (laughs) I'm being silly, but sis thick though. Um, In a good way now. Thick is good. Thick is good. But um, not to objectify her either, but she looks amazing. And uh, motherhood suits her for real. And um, showing up to the Well Child Awards looking like that, sis. I mean, first of all, it taught me how to properly wear a jacket. Okay, if if you just want to step out looking chic, girl, just put that thing over your shoulders and ride with it. You feel me? (laughs) I like that though. And I told y'all before, man, when I saw her at the U.S. Open and um, she had on her denim shirt dress and then that um, cardigan looking thing, you know, halfway through the match, you know, she just draped it over her shoulder. It just, I don't know what it, I don't know what it is, but it just makes you look a little bit more ritzy or something or I don't don't know. I like it. So mark my words, Everybody finna be draping a jacket over their shoulders now. <laughs> Watch. Watch and see. Um, Not to say that nobody's ever done that before, but go ahead, Megan, girl. Do you. Do you. Teach me. Okay? So that's one. I also love that she's wearing her old clothes, even though they fit a little bit differently and definitely in a good way. Um, But I love that she's wearing them. Like, just like the dresses on the South Africa tour, we recognize at least three of them. The trench dress and that striped dress she wore on the beach in Australia, as well as that blue shirt dress she wore to District 6. I'm loving it. And I'm probably missing something, too. But the engagement dress, that's what she wore to the Well Child Awards. And Mama is Sis looking great. She's <laughs> she's looking great. But, you know, I would like to believe that she has an extra swag, too. Like, you know, she's a different woman. When you become a parent, you're a different person, you know. You're loved as well. And then also when you're in a great environment, you just, I don't know, you just walk with that extra. So certainly her aura um, causes her to look so beautiful, just stunning. 
but um style is on point as well but I love that she's just like a regular woman you know when you're if you've had a baby your post body post baby body is different even if you're the same weight you know things may have shifted for you but there's nothing better than being able to fit back into old clothes especially if it feels like it's going to be forever before you can get back in them and she's just a regular woman like everybody else she's just highly visible so yeah it's pretty cool for her to be able to wear her old clothes and we recognize those and we also know (laughs) that if she were to buy new clothes just because she wanted to buy new clothes people would have a fit over it even if she spent her own money on it so Megan you're doing great and people talking about oh she needs to wear clothes that fit a they do just because they fit differently doesn't mean they fit poorly and if you don't have an eye for style that's your issue not hers and b if she were to go out and spend her money on a new dress the same people complaining about the fit would then be complaining about the price and i've noticed a pivot now you know people will say stuff like I really like Megan, but, and then insert some trivial criticism, like watch out for haters pretending to be fans. I've been seeing a lot of that lately and it's so, it's so irksome, you know, it's so bothersome because people know that just out and out hating on her is going to, you probably going to get more heat than you expect it to, or that then you would have gotten say a year and a half ago when it was just a free for all. Okay. Now people are wolves in sheep's clothing, if you will. And I have read literally thousands of comments on the various platforms that I man, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, especially YouTube. And there's a pattern that I've begun to recognize. Instead of out and out just hating on her, probably due to more regular users just stepping in to say, hey, you know what, that's not right. Um, They pretend to like her so they can put that that other little trivial criticism in their comment you know so kind of like what some of the more passive aggressive royal reporters do there's still haters at the end of the day so kind of watch out for that I pretty much just block people I get so many comments now it's to the point now where I'm just basically like first of all so many people that comment I know who you are and I see you um commenting on a regular basis so in general what I mean is I know generally the types of comments that you're going to write depending on how often I've seen your name then there are people who they're new to the channel or they're new to the different platforms or maybe they're even new to Sussex Squad and they have these sort of insidious types of uh, criticisms to where it's hard to really fill them out And, and again I'm not really someone who says People are above criticism, but don't come to my page trying to criticize Megan on her fucking hair. I'm sorry. I that's just not productive. It's stupid. You know what? What what do you really have as a criticism for something that someone has done? And for Megan, the answer is nothing. Don't come criticizing her about her clothes and how she's been, because what you're saying is not what you're actually writing. What you're saying is something underneath that I can detect pretty accurately nowadays because again I'm reading thousands of comments and what you're basically saying is I don't like this B let me let me see what I can get away with over here well you can't get away with it on my platform so that was a little bit of a tangent but what I'm saying is watch out for people that are um 
even just interacting with you on on your platforms even um you we you know we don't have the ability to put a face to any of these names so um you know i'm always wary of a war of attrition <laughs> type situation where you know you never know who's writing these comments but they just want to sow seeds of division or seeds of dissension so i just pretty much bam you're gone Kind of like that, just because it I don't want any weeds to grow in a positive space that I'm trying to create. But that being said, not liking someone's outfit is not the same as going out of your way to criticize them. Does that make sense? Because I, th- I think sometimes people think that they can't disagree with me I, or disagree with any of us, whether it's Tina or whether it's anybody on Twitter. I don't I don't really think that's the case. (laughs) And I realize I'm not talking about the well child awards right now, but like, I don't think that's the case. I think, I think it's about intentionality. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, you know, oh oh, man, I'm not really feeling that outfit today, or I'm not really feeling that. Oh, you know, cause who cares about fashion? Right. But that's just an example. That's one thing. But then it's another to say, man, she never wears clothes that fit her body or, oh, she always have messy hair. Those are totally different things. (laughs) Okay. The second one will get you blocked, if that makes any sense. So just come with a little bit of respect. That's all I'm saying. And so whenever Megan steps out, like at the Well Child Awards, or I guess there's another one coming up later, uh, later this month, uh, people love to, you know, make digs at her, but say, oh, well, don't, don't um uh, don't like attack me or don't you know bite my head off for saying this but and then it's some um, pure trash that they say after that no I'm not gonna bite your head I'm just gonna block you boo um so you know I, I don't want nobody to feel antsy on my platform but I'm just mentioning it, it really irks me whenever especially when I know she's looking good that's my personal opinion, um, but for somebody to probably it's rooted in jealousy, rooted in insecurity, uh, because they know she looks great too. They just have something nasty to say. And I just, ooh, it makes my skin crawl. <laughs> so also I think sometimes people who write those nasty types of things, they are not considering the fact that this woman just had a baby. So even if I think she looks great and you think she looks great and the world thinks she looks great, she might not feel like she looks the absolute best stepping outside because she's not, it's not the same body she had before she was pregnant. You know what I mean? And so it's just like, be considerate of people's feelings. Be considerate of people's, you know, emotions the same way you want people to be considerate of yours. Um, Harry thinks she look good. <laughs> we know that. And I saw a cute little... um mention of of something along those lines in people magazine where uh they sat down to talk with remember emmy i read her um you know her contributions to the wellness uh, the well child community and her receiving an award uh well they sat down with emmy and her mom harry and megan and i'm just going to read a little blip out of um out of people magazine it says the royal couple who welcomed son archie on may 6th showed their strong support for one another at the well child awards on tuesday evening including a sweet moment while chatting with 10 year old emmy narian nicholas who won an award for her emmy 
Mommy's Kitchen initiative and her mother, Eve. They were lovely, said Eve, according to Hello Magazine. (laughs) When she sat down, I said, oh, you look amazing. And you've just had a baby. Harry looked at her and went, see, I told you in a way that we would. Oh, here. See, you know, women always wonder how they look, right? Even if you're someone who's so confident like Megan and you know you're the bomb.com like Megan or whatever, but your body changes. You have a baby, your body changes. She's in an old, older dress. She was smaller when she wore it the first time. She still looks banging, but you you can't help how you feel sometimes. And of course, Harry, yes, reassure your wife, please, and thank you, uh, because yes, she did look great. But that just goes to show you that she's human too, which is the whole point. Um, she's human too, and I just I just want people to um, consider that. Of course, I'm preaching to the choir, but. I want more people to consider the fact that, yeah, these famous people, rich people, they're human. So last year, we saw them at the Well-Child Awards, and there was this often circulated clip of a back rub where Harry was rubbing Megan's back. They were sitting talking to uh, one of the recipients and his parent. And I think at that point, when most of us saw that, we kind of thought, oh, okay, yep. Expect an announcement come soon because sis got back pain. She's probably pregnant. <laughs> of course, you can't say for any certainty. But, of course, in hindsight, you see that it was certainly um, probably, you know, a husband rubbing his wife's back because back aches happen when you're pregnant. So um, he was rubbing her back. And at the time, people pretty much gave him a virtual high five because, like, what a sweet moment, you know. But this year... As Harry remarked, they got to view the Well Child Awards through a different lens, even different from last year where they were parents-to-be. They are now parents, and they can, to an extent, empathize with the parents at the Well Child Awards. And I thought Harry spoke so beautifully about that. It has been over a decade uh, since I first came to these awards, and every year they never fail to surprise and inspire me. Yet this year, it resonates in a different way because now I'm a father. Last year, um, last year when my wife and I attended, we knew we were expecting our first child. Um, No one else did at the time, but we did. And I remember... I remember squeezing Megan's hand so tight <coughs> during the awards and both of us were thinking what it would be like um, to be parents one day and more so what it would be like to do everything we could to protect and help our child should they be born with immediate challenges or become unwell over time. And now as parents, being here and speaking to all of you pulls at my heartstrings in a way I could never have understood until I had a child of my own. <coughs> No parent wants to hear that their child will suffer, that they will face extraordinary challenges that will affect them throughout their lives. And yet, after meeting all of the well child parents and the kids themselves over the years, you've managed to give all of us 
a sense of optimism, a sense of hope and strength that no professional, no best-selling book and no amount of advice could ever give, give any of us. So thank you for being you. It's one of the things I love about them, and it's that they're open to sharing some of their conversations and thought processes as a couple. And it was refreshing to see Harry speak on his outlook. And frankly, his world shifted once he became a father. He sees everything differently now. Everything. And if that makes him emotional, so be it. And of course, in hindsight, we see how Megan has been bullied throughout the whole process. And through his statement, the statement that he released the day before they left Africa, we got to see how Harry quietly watched this woman that he loves, the woman carrying his child, was bullied and demeaned every day without fail. I think people don't appreciate the fragility of a situation like that. And add to the fact that they're having to think about and plan for the unknown regardless that's stressful enough, becoming a first-time parent, but to be hounded in the process is really tragic. Day in and day out, the press, they just won't give you a break. Not only are they not giving you a break, they're making up lies about you. That's tragic. It's dangerous. We've talked week after week after week about how dangerous that is, how it, 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 it is pretty much a witch hunt. It's a deliberate action to make someone less safe, someone carrying a child less safe. Because that's certainly what it felt like to me. You know, that's tragic. And Harry is a man who cared about the well-being of his child on many levels. Not just the physical well-being of his child, but he has to now worry about the psychological and emotional well-being of his wife who is carrying his child. William never had to worry about that with Kate. His father never had to worry about that when she was bringing in her two sons into the world. So why should Harry have to worry about that? You know, so really, if you look at it through that lens, homeboy has the right to be angry because something is different. Something is new somehow. They're hounded and hunted in a way that he can't remember except for when he thinks about his mother at the end of her life. But his wife can't go through her pregnancy unbothered, so certainly we can understand his anger and frustration around that and whatever other emotion he chooses to share. I'm not here to act as if I know what's going on in his head or what he was thinking at the time of the speech or otherwise, but I can't imagine going through what they did while she was carrying her son into this world. I, I, I can't fathom it. Even still, he spoke at the charity that he's worked so closely with for a decade now, and he's seen the struggle of some of these children. Some have passed away. And to see the way they fight and empathize with one another, no matter what they're going through, those kids, their parents, the medical professionals, they embody the opposite of what bullies stand for. And they stand for more. And the Sussexes are always feeling at home in an environment like that. And I thought it really showed, like when you feel comfortable enough to truly be yourself, that includes showing emotion if the moment has arrived for you to do that. Um, you know, that's not something that anyone can control. But to me, that said a lot about how Harry felt about the charity 
And it said a lot about how he felt around the people in the room. And the fact that he was bullied for showing emotion, not everyone. I think in large part, people were supportive of that because it is refreshing to see. But from for a royal, uh, but the fact that anybody had anything negative to say about it, it says a lot about those people. It doesn't say anything about Harry. It says a lot about the people doing the bullying. And Harry has never been afraid to show emotion ever. So it's not like the tears or raw expression is something that people have never seen from him. And now that I think about it, this is a slight tangent. While I've never seen Harry personally um, get choked up, I've never seen him get choked up, but um, I have seen him speak very honestly about (laughs) Uh, his distaste for the press, even years ago. Harry's never liked the press, right? It's mighty funny how he's always been allotted space to do that. And people of the British public have always been, um, I won't say forgiving, because truly there's nothing to forgive. He's entitled to his emotions. He's entitled to his thoughts and opinions about any and everything. But, you know, people have always made space for him for that. Now all of a sudden people are, uh, who have... I guess, put themselves squarely in the critics corner have decided that, oh, Harry, I, you know, I wish y'all could see how many comments I get from people who are like, you know, uh, Harry's just not his usual chipper self. I don't know what happened. Like, you know, I really, I really feel bad for him. I think he really just needs to see somebody. No, sis. That's the type of stuff that I block right away. You don't feign no concern, girl, because you know what you're saying. You know what you're saying. You don't think that he should be with his wife. And what he was crying about has absolutely nothing to do with his relationship and everything to do with the strength that he sees in those children. But so many people were trying to comment and talking about, oh, well, you know, Harry's just not his usual chipper self. No, because he's a protective father and he's trying to protect his family from snakes like you and passive-aggressive journalists who write the same types of things. You know, you know what I mean? So that's, that's really what annoyed me about the fact that um, after Harry gives an emotional speech, people want to somehow talk about what it all means. No, it means exactly what the man said it meant. Did you listen to the speech at all, sis? Like, <laughs> so that, that's, that, that annoyed me. But it was really good to see so many people um, coming out who were, I guess it's just a lot of people that so many people that we probably don't even know, um, who have decided that they're just going to support Harry and Meghan because they see now what's going on. Um, their bullying has become, the bullying of them has become so, so big, you know, if that makes sense, that regular everyday people who don't even, don't even know the queen's first name, You know, let's say they're not from uh, England and they just know her as the queen. Uh, There are a lot of people like that, believe it or not. Um, They know they're being bullied, you know, so they decided, you know, screw that. Harry, yeah, if you want to cry, bro, go ahead and cry. That's cool. Ain't nothing wrong with that. And Americans don't really have a problem with that. I know over there they have this whole stiff upper lip shit. It's stupid to me. Sorry, that's just me. No shade to nobody's culture, but that's dumb. Everybody cries. Um... And and it's not like he was crying about, you know, him losing his favorite pair of shoes or some shit. 
The man was speaking about what he's been enduring for the last year. He wasn't really speaking about that specifically, but seeing the strength of the parents, the medical professionals and the children specifically, not really knowing what to expect as not just a new father, but as a father who could have a child who develops something over time. You know, kids get diagnosed with leukemia all the time, all the time. You know, and so pulling from the strength of those people, I'm sure it's palpable. I'm sure it's palpable every single year he attends the Well Child Awards. So he has a brand new, he walked through a a whole brand new door in life becoming a parent. So if if you're not emotional about your own child and you're not emotional about your own family, not saying everybody should be emotional, but... He certainly deserves space for that. Any parent does. When you care about the people in a room such as the Well Child Awards. And just to clarify, because I know it's going to be somebody up in my comments talking about I I said English culture was stupid. No. What I mean is, I, I think the idea of having a stiff upper lip, and to me as an American, that just sounds like, you know, don't cry, don't show any emotion, don't acknowledge your emotion. That just is what it always seems like to me. And it, and then I guess also a lot of people uh, who did segments on it, new segments on uh, that part of the speech, they were referencing it. Oh, well, you know, England is it's a place that's known for its stiff upper lip. And, you know, that didn't seem to stop Harry from showing emotion like that's to me. That's crazy. Now, I'm not saying go blubbering around all over the place every day about every little issue you got, you, that you have. But um and there's nothing wrong <laughs> with acknowledging your emotions. And so I think a lot of times, and, and that's something that I think Harry's done a really great job of since becoming a working royal, um, talking about the uh, dismantling the stigma that people place on folks who show vulnerability, whether this is about mental health or whether it's about uh, being uh, a victim of poverty, whether it's about being a victim of um, whatever kind of trauma that you might have experienced in your childhood or, you know, the having HIV or you're having a status and having to live with a new status and not hiding that, like not um, hiding the fact that you feel things about that. including but not limited to being the victim of bullying while you're just trying to transition into the most critical role that you will ever have in life, which is a parent. So that's what I meant about that. Here's something else that annoyed me. The fact that people used an opportunity to call Harry woke or not necessarily woke, but they called him weak and virtue signaling because he was emotional talking about his own unborn child. Like how vile do you have to be to always find fault with a person who's just out here trying to do good, just trying to live life and shine a light on issues that certainly the critics aren't shining lights on at all, even though they got the platforms. Um, (laughs) <laughs> like how vile, like I, I honestly feel like so many people who just have to say something negative about these people, they are sociopathic. 
they have sociopathic tendencies, I'll say. Um, if they're not outright sociopaths, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not some kind of, you know, psychoanalyst to be making that call. But to me, that's what it feels like. You know, you have disassociated yourself from this person's humanity. That's an issue. That's a problem. Well, I have a message for you, sociopathic flops. You can stay right where you are, and that is the hell away from me. You don't deserve to be in civil society because you are committed to devolving. And everything you touch dies, I'm sure. And that's because you, too, are dead inside. Your hatred has made you numb and dumb. And an increasing segment of your thought is devoted to figuring out a way to be even more of an absolute trash bag online. Just get out of here. Leave Earth. That'll do. My question is, when is it okay to stop spreading hate toward this couple? And when is it ever going to be okay? What would make it okay? And I'm saying this as someone who understands that it is a minority and a very loud, critical minority full of individuals who criticize them, uh, and very few, if any, of their criticisms are valid. But many of the criticisms are over minor, trivial things, and they're the telltale signs of insecurity. But many criticisms seek to downplay the good they do. So when Harry gives a speech about the strength of terminally ill or seriously ill children and gets choked up, he gets called a virtue signaler. He's shining a light on real issues real people, and yet there's a deliberate effort of certain people to pivot away from what he's highlighting and focus on the man as an individual and the traits they don't, they've decided that they don't like. At the end of the day, I think Harry and Meghan are doing far more good than any of their critics, but more importantly, they're inspiring people who otherwise wouldn't have thought to do good, even in their own communities to take action toward doing that because they see it in practice. So, I mean, well done to them. I mean, and I've always said there's only so much that they could take. There's only so much of tuning out the criticisms, uh, tuning out the bullying that they could actually do. But I love how productive they're being with it and they're, they're speaking for themselves, which brings me to my next point. As I'm recording this, most of you guys are probably, if you're in England, you're probably watching the Meghan and Harry documentary airing on ITV. By the time this podcast actually drops, it will have already aired in the United States as well. It's going to air on ABC on Wednesday, I believe it is. And I'm seeing a lot of reaction to it online. Honestly, most of it seems positive. I know a lot of times we... Um, we especially on Twitter, we get things off of our chest. That's a perfect place for reaction, especially around a live event such as the documentary. Um, my initial reaction to the reaction, because again, I'm in the state, so I won't get to see it until Wednesday. Um, it seems like the documentary was very honest. And based on the clips that they shared once the documentary aired, because I'm seeing two new clips in addition to the ones that we've already seen as a part of the promotion for the special, um, it seems like they had a lot to get off of their chests. And the great thing about it is they felt empowered to be vocal about what they've gone through. I mean, it's been a lot. 
I mean, they've basically been used as punching bags. And while I can sit here and say, wow, that just sounds terrible, while it does, I can't even imagine what it's like to experience that, specifically to be Megan experiencing that, because Harry knows, he he already knows what it's like. As he said, he warned her ahead of time, you know, it's going to be pretty different. But like, I'm sure neither one of them knew that they would be hounded as much as and under the conditions that she was hounded under as a pregnant woman, right? And as a new mother of a newborn. Um, We got to see a new low of the press. And it's just a shame that it was all so, and it still is, but so vitriolic and really just laser focused on the Sussexes. Well, they feel empowered to talk about it. And I'm very proud of them. I, I am ecstatic because what it does is it exposes from the horse's mouth now. It's one thing for people to hear about one person's opinion of the British tabloid, say me or another podcast or a Twitter feed or, you know, a think piece. Well, it's another thing to hear it from the people who are being victimized by this sort of organized effort just to be out, all out thugs against these people who have done nothing but just try to live their lives. Uh, we all saw the initial clip where um, it was Megan talking about uh, her her so far her experience and just to see the sadness in her eyes like her eyes are really communicative like they really speak when you know what I'm saying when she's happy some people just have eyes like that but like especially when she's bothered or sad or like even if you go back to the um, the dish detergent uh, piece the inside edition segment where they interviewed her and she was just 11 and Even back then, you know, she just has these super expressive eyes. Well, to hear her talk about her feelings around the way that she was targeted and then to see the sadness in her eyes, it's a cliche, but eyes really are the windows of the soul. They give away so much. Um, And it's not that she was trying to hide anything, but that really made everybody sad. People who don't even know her from, from Adam We're sad to see that because it's something that she endured that was so unnecessary. He's obviously very concerned about protecting you and protecting you from what he felt his mother went through. It's obviously an area one has to tiptoe into very gently, but I don't know what the impact on your physical and mental health of all the pressure that you clearly feel under. Um, I would say, look, any woman when they're, especially when they're pregnant, you're really, vulnerable and so that was made really challenging and then when you have a newborn you know you mm-hmm. it's really, a long time ago but I remember yeah, yeah. you know and especially as a woman it's really it's a lot so you add this on top of just trying to be a new mom or trying to be a newlywed it's um yeah well I guess and also thank you for asking because not many people have asked if I'm okay but it's uh, it's a very real thing to be going through behind the scenes. And the answer is, would it be fair to say not really? Okay, since it's really been a struggle. Yes. And she said something in that clip that really stood out to me, just like a sore thumb. I'm pretty sure it did to you as well. 
Uh, and I could be reading into things. I'm probably not, but I don't know any of these people personally. But she said that not many people have asked her if she's okay through it all, through all of the bullying that basically started, you could say right after her wedding, but it really started in force after the initial tour, after the Oceana tour. So from way back then to now, it's been a full year minimum that she's been a target and not many people have asked her if she's okay. We already know she's not talking about Harry. We know she's not talking about the friends who did the piece, the anonymous uh, five friends who wrote uh, or who talked about uh, in People magazine how what they're writing about Megan and the British tabloids just it just doesn't add up. Um, she's not talking about people in her inner circle. I wonder who she's talking about. And I don't think she's trying to be pointed. But to me, it sounds like, okay, well, you're in a family. You're literally in a family. You are being bullied every day over the stupidest things. Just to recount some of the headlines that I remember or the BS stories that I remember, Megan made Kate cry. That's when we all knew what it was going to be. We already knew how they were going to racialize things. And we already saw how they were going to step on Megan to promote Kate, who doesn't really do a good job of promoting herself, right? No shade, no shade, no shade, no shade. I'm really not trying to be shady. All I'm doing is stating a fact, okay? She doesn't. Um, and, 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 and if that's worked for her, up until the time Megan joined the family, because apparently it stopped working when Megan basically raised the standard just because her standards for herself are such um, high standards, right? Um, so we saw what it was going to be then. And then we saw um, some story about a tiara where she was supposed to be this diva who's throwing a tantrum because she didn't get the tiara she wanted and Harry stormed up to the queen and said well what Megan wants Megan gets okay and then we saw the little story about um um you know after she did the together cookbook about avocados being oh well Megan's she's uh she's funding a famine by these avocados that she likes to eat um and that's just how ridiculous it is, because I just realized in saying that, that I got my bullshit stories mixed up. The avocados were about her eating toast in New York at her baby shower. Oh, my God, this millennial snack. It funds famine or, or it causes famine in wherever. I can't even remember. The thing with the Together cookbook was apparently Megan supposedly is somehow affiliated with some jihadists knowing good and freaking well that cookbook has absolutely nothing with whatever they were trying to tie has nothing to do with what they were trying to tie but the point is I'm going through all of these things just to kind of reflect on how how vitriolic and nasty and unnecessarily terrible these so-called journalists have been and they've gone out of their way to be terrible terrible to um harry and megan from saying that they were going to be banished to africa to saying that you know 
she's vulgar for wearing an, a one sleeve or off the shoulder dress to the British Fashion Awards where the receipts say Kate's not vulgar for doing the same thing. She's not vulgar, but the black one is. Okay, to when they got a renovation for uh, Frogmore Cottage, which needed a renovation. Okay, and all of a sudden, all of these papers were pushing this narrative that, you know, you're a public figure. You need to let us into your private lives. You you want us to fund your renovations. And when truthfully, they don't fund it comes from the privy. It comes from the privy purse, Um, you know. So and and by the way, they didn't really fund the renovation any more than they funded anything else that was in the report. So it's just that the British media they deliberately spread these stories. Do you think any individual taxpayer just taking that one one story, do you think they would actually care if they didn't see that headline every other place? It was so ubiquitous that even American outlets were picking this up and asking the question on their shows because they don't have shit else to talk about, I guess. Well, do you think Harry and Meghan should take taxpayer money or take money from A, B, and C to fund their, their new home if they're not going to show their baby to the British press right away or whatever. You know, like they have been through it. And that's probably not even half of the things that or the lies that I've seen that you've seen. Um, But to know that you're in a brand new country, you are in a brand new role and you're trying to do the most good because that's the type of person that you were before you met Harry. Because Megan was a philanthropist before she met Harry and she didn't just start gearing up to be a philanthropist as she was dating Harry. She, this, this is what she did, sis. Um, she had her own money. She probably got more spending money than he does because sis got residuals. Um, and she was raised by a woman who was a social worker. Megan has been around the world, even as a child traveling with her mother. Okay. So, Megan is just moved into a new phase. So to know that you're in another country, to know that you are now also experiencing pregnancy for the first time and motherhood for the first time, and then having to deal with an entire sort of institution trying to turn a nation against you and you're out here every day working on behalf of this nation and knowing that people have been arrested for making uh, terroristic threats against your husband for not marrying a white woman. It's too much. It's too much. And then to see Megan on the verge of tears, even just recounting it and talking about it. And she's a strong individual. I can't imagine, and nobody should go through this, but I can't imagine what someone who is not as strong as Megan, what the end result of that is, you know? But about her family, her new family, not asking her if she's okay, going through all of that, Not one of them motherfuckers asked if she was okay. Excuse my French girl, but for real, for real. Now, I know that's not what she said specifically, but that's what I'm hearing. Not many people, not many people around her um, have asked her if she's okay. 
And the only way I can see that happening is if perhaps those people are maybe glad that she's the one who's going through it and not them. She's their shield. We've said that for how many months now? And again, I just want to stress that I don't know any specific facts or nothing. I'm just going based off of, I guess, my gut feeling. Um, It takes nothing to let a person know that you're right there in her corner. But my thing is maybe one or two people that are, you know, royals actually did say something to her and be like, you know what? I'm so sorry you're going through this. Maybe none of them did. But my thing is all of them should have. You know what I mean? Like we talked about how she was, and it was just a visual, but when she went to the U.S. Open, she sat in Serena's box. She sat in the middle of her circle. And everybody sitting around Megan, Megan was in the dead center of Serena's circle of trust. Have you ever seen um, Meet the Parents and and Gaylord Fokker and, um, you know, Ben Stiller's character and uh, his his girlfriend's dad was a former CIA agent. He was like, well, you know, it's going to take a lot for you to get into the circle of trust. And he was spending his whole spending the whole movie just trying to earn a spot in the circle of trust. OK, well, Megan, technically, she is in the circle of trust. or so she should be because that's who Harry chose to marry. Right. So they should be demonstrating to her that you're right here and we're going to protect you. So not only are they doing that, not only are they demonstrating to her personally that they they care about her well-being, they care about her experience as um, a new English woman, they care, care about her experience as a new royal, they care about her experience as a woman carrying a child who is a descendant of the queen, but they care about whether or not the bullying ever stops. And so they throw their weight on the British tabloid media and say, back the hell up. They didn't do that. We know they didn't do that. So how am I supposed to believe that they ever gave a damn enough to even ask her how she was doing? And again, she didn't say this, but I'm going to go ahead and assume it. Here's why we saw how quickly Buckingham Palace released statements when someone claimed Kate was taking baby Botox. Oh, they came out with the quickness. Somebody said Kate was taking, uh, or she had uh, hair extensions. She can do both. I don't care. That ain't none of my business. But they came out and they made a statement about it. Um, but when the British media stoked flames of hatred toward this woman who was pregnant and spread lies that they later retracted, not that I can remember, Not one time did Buckingham Palace come out and say, that story is not true. This story y'all released on Tuesday is not true. You know what I'm saying? I don't remember that at all. And so my thing is, if they are, you know, you know, you could argue that, well, they don't release stories for people that far down the line of succession. Okay, well, maybe that's the case. But see, who is bringing you all the attention? It's not Will and Kate, and it ain't Charles and Camilla. Yeah, they're out there doing whatever they do, but who's making y'all relevant? Like, who's dragging y'all's asses into the modern age? It ain't Will and Kate. Kate's still wearing coat dresses. Nothing wrong with a good coat dress. I don't own any, but, you know, let, let the girl do what she gonna do. But she was towing the line. What was the phrase? Oh, Kate never sets a foot wrong. And Camilla's doing what she got to do for her being who she is. 
you know? And here Megan is just trying to live her life, trying to do the best that she can do, paying that old black tax we talk about. But she doesn't get any of the protection, even though she and Harry are doing the heavy lifting for this ghetto ass family. And the sad thing to me is that I feel like I'm getting more and more confirmation that these types of people, the royal family, in tandem with the British tabloid press, they like to eat people alive for sport, just for fun, just to see what would happen because they know they don't have any consequences. But it's fun. Look what they did to Princess Diana. You know, she was the ultimate English rose. And even in her last hours, no one was there to help. And apparently the queen didn't even want to give her a state funeral. I mean, can we just spill the tea? That's, I mean, that's well documented, but I guess Charles's guilt took over. But I mean, my thing is, and I'm sorry for how that sounds, because I know it sounds a little bit raw right there, but that family, they're really, oh, girlfriend, they're some scoundrels. They're just, you know, they just do high tea and they got gold plated everything. But in some ways, they're no better than the people I call thugs and hooligans who are the tabloid press. And I only say that now because I didn't really have any evidence before Megan joined the family. But when we see, and I'm not saying people don't like Megan personally in the family, but as a unit, girl, y'all are failing. As an institution, y'all are failing. Y'all are failing the person who's trying to, and I'm not trying to necessarily say Megan is some superwoman and Wonder Woman who's sole purpose in life is to modernize the British royal family. No, but she is an asset and we all know that. You know it. We know you know it. And you know we know it. She's an asset to the royal family and you're using her like one. Otherwise, you wouldn't have made her the vice president of the Queen's Commonwealth Trust, girl. You know what she can do. And you know how people respond to her. And yet, you don't protect her and the child that she's carrying? even though you got the full powers to do that. So that's that's so much of what I hear when Megan talks about the tabloid press because Megan wouldn't be so sad and she wouldn't feel so, I guess, I'm sure there might have been times where she felt terrified, you know, just even thinking about the rest of her life. She wouldn't feel so sad about the state of things if she knew she was protected behind closed doors. She's protected in her own home. That's different from being protected inside the institution. And it is well documented. This only makes me respect Princess Diana more because it's well documented. Sis never stopped talking about the nature of that royal family. And she said, you got to be crazy to join it. And in hindsight, we see just why Harry, which God bless him, because I, I, I really feel for him, too, because he's a different kind of person. He truly is Diana's son. Um. I understand why he was so he was holding on to her so tight because he didn't want to lose her before they got engaged. And he released that statement. You remember? And I see why they suing the hell out of everybody else right now, because they for what the profits that they're raking in for you, motherfuckers, they deserve the peace of mind of knowing that they're going to take some of their power back. They're not the victim victims that you want them to be. And so I'm proud of them for speaking out. Sorry, that's a little bit of a rant, but 
I'm proud of them for, for speaking out, putting things in their own words, being on camera, saying it. Um, and again, when she spoke to Pharrell at that Lion King premiere, they don't make it easy. She was talking about them hoes in the British press. And men can be hoes too. She was talking about all of them trying to make her life a living hell and they're trying to eat her alive for sport just to see what happens. So God bless them. I really didn't expect this to be a profanity-filled episode, but you know, it is what it is and I'm not deleting shit. So um, I just want to say, Megan and Harry, we got your back. I think y'all already knew that. They don't have to acknowledge the Sussex squad. And in fact, I don't ever really want them to. I'm with Tina on that. Um, but but like we're out here because, mo again, most of us are black women. We know what it's like to feel like we have to just put up with racism, whether it's in a corporate environment, educational environment, whether we are walking around the store. You know, here's a perfect example. You, you guys ever walk around the store? And and maybe this is just me, <laughs> but you ever walk around a store, especially if it's like high end and, you know, you're being watched, you know, you're being uh, or you feel like you're being followed. You know, some eyes are on you. And so you make it super obvious that you didn't come there to steal. You just came to get your shit and go, you know, or when you I mean, I don't really know if other people experience that, but that's what I have experienced, especially when I lived in New York. Um, or like when you are, <laughs> this is a little bit more of a petty example, but uh, people say black people don't tip. So um, when you go to a restaurant, you overcompensate on the tip just because you don't want the, the, the waiter to uh, think you're racist or not think you're racist, but think you're cheap. You know what I'm saying? And and or you assure them that you're a good tipper so you don't receive bad service or some shit. You know, it's just it's just like there are so many minor ways that people of color and black people have to um, operate. And Megan is light skin, bro. And they're still treating her like, what did they say? She's straight out of Compton. So I think the people who support them, especially Megan, the largely black women who understand that. Not only do you always have to put up with racism, you have to be, what is it, twice as good to get half as much? You have to be above and beyond better than people's expectations of you and those around you. Just to even get what you've earned in a space like hers, I would say in her space, she's earned at least peace of mind. Peace of mind to be able to do her work. You know, she's going all these different places, promoting all these charities, to be able to do that in peace, right? So I think a lot of people identify with her on that level. Um, but I know she, I, I feel like I know that uh, they know that we're out here and we're supporting them. And, and we, since they've gotten married and since she's become the Duchess of Sussex, we've done a pretty good job of giving, giving them hell. The people who deserve to be given hell, we've been giving it to them. And so I hope they at least feel that. So... One thing I do know is the love for Megan is growing and the royal family and the tabloids are running out of ways to dim her light. They're running out of options. And so it'll be interesting to see the reactions because this is not slowing down. Case in point, the One Young World Summit that we saw Megan at in purple looking like real royalty, the only royalty um, <laughs> I mean, case in point, like she couldn't, she couldn't, first of all, she couldn't look any more beautiful, right? Like her hair is 
amazing. I mean, pregnancy really does. <laughs> I mean, it makes you more beautiful, I guess. But like her hair has grown so much. But even still, she just radiates, right? She just radiates from within. And um, like she couldn't look any more different than how her bullies want her to feel. And she just keeps going. She keeps going. Like her mission is far more important than the mission of her critics, of her bullies. And truthfully, let's admit it, that's what we absolutely love about Megan and Harry. So it was really just great to see her doing what she does best. So she was at the One Young World Summit, which is a global forum that brings together 2,000 young people from 190 countries. So from all over the world, these young leaders, they come to one place and they talk about how to create positive change and to tackle some of the world's biggest problems now and in the future. Megan is no stranger to the One Young World Summit. This would be her third summit. Uh, she attended the one that occurred in Dublin in 2014. She also attended the one from Ottawa in 2016 when she was still a Canadian slash American. Well, she's still American, but she was living in Canada at the time. And uh, so this is her third appearance now as the Duchess of Sussex. I mean, Megan is who she is, right? This is, this is not new for her. <laughs> Nobody has to set this up for her because it is her path. It is who she is. And I think that's just what so many of her supporters love about her is that her path wasn't defined for her as soon as she became a royal. She defined her own path, her own path for years before she met Harry. And I think people resent that about her. And it's not her fault. Only people that would resent that type of thing are people who probably don't even have the gusto to define their own damn path. But anyway, um, Megan attended the summit and she received the welcome that we know she's accustomed to receiving from people that love and support her as well as people who are into having those productive conversations. She is, after all, the vice president of the Queen's Commonwealth Trust and all of the Commonwealth is represented there. It's 190 countries in the world and only 53 Commonwealth countries. And so I'm sure she got to connect with those young people and you know, she's very comfortable being in a room where conversations are happening and not just conversations, but meaningful conversations. And it was just really great to see her emanating and radiating this energy that is the total opposite from what her bullies hoped to produce in her, not quite realizing who this woman is. Um, so we absolutely love it. She looked amazing and... I just look forward to seeing her do more this fall, especially now that she's back to work. The tour is over. We get to see the Duchess because there's really only one Duchess. Uh, <laughs> that's me being shady. But we get to see the Duchess doing what she does best. And that's connecting with people. That's having conversation. That's making change. So look out for her doing a panel discussion, I believe it is, on women's empowerment at the same summit that'll be later in the week and I think this is like the third or the maybe the fourth panel or roundtable discussion that she's been involved with involved in and um, Megan we are so proud of you Harry we are proud of you just keep doing what you're doing so lastly before I sign off of this thing because 
according to my estimate, this podcast is at least an hour long, which is which is kind of rare. But, you know, this is kind of like two podcasts in one because the last one was two weeks ago as opposed to one. But um, this is more of an announcement slash backstory. So over the weekend, I created a Patreon or Patreon page. For those of you who don't know what that is, it is a platform where, and shout out to Tina, because I actually didn't know this existed until she let me know about it. But um, it's a platform where people who want a space to support your platform, your specific platform, um, or a lot of creators use that use that space um, to support creators on a more regular basis because they want to support not necessarily because the creator has petitioned for it, and, and some do, but um, it's a space that sort of allows for that in a way that YouTube as a platform doesn't, not quite. So that's been created. And I know there are a lot of new subscribers, um, people who specifically, I guess, on you, well, YouTube and iTunes, actually, um, that subscribe and listen regularly now way more (laughs) listening now than when I started the podcast the Sussex said or the YouTube channel so just to give a little bit of background about my experience in that as a creator because I've learned to be honest I've learned just so much just as a creator um as a supporter of course I mean I was going to be a supporter of Megan and Harry regardless but just learning and interacting with people on the platforms, specifically YouTube, because more conversation can happen over there. I began as a podcaster back in April of this year, and the podcasting experience on YouTube has unexpectedly developed this love I have for editing videos. Now I've always, to an extent, edited things here and there for other people, but my love for storytelling goes back so far. (laughs) into my childhood so that that's part of what informs my editing but uh it it, it's truly developed immensely really in the last six or seven months just because probably because I've been doing it regularly but um at the heart of what I try to do is storytelling and while it is time consuming if you've ever done it it's it's incredibly time consuming and tedious I would still honestly do it anyway. Like, um, and that's how you know you love something, I think. But the videos that I've done, the one for Harry's birthday, and by the way, thank you guys for over 80,000 views on that. That kind of blows me away. The Dear Baby Sussex video, and more recently, the Maya Angelou video, they're what you call a labor of love. And I don't talk about the videos themselves as much. I tend to just drop them and and let people enjoy them. But just to talk about them for a second, I'd say that those videos, specifically the edits, they are a communication of sorts. Eventually, I could pay someone to edit regular videos for me, perhaps podcasts, perhaps the short form content that I do. Quite honestly, I can't pay anybody to do anything right now. However, the edits you know, the quote unquote edits, um, like the ones I just named, I would never. And this is just, this is just me speaking about my work. I would never have someone edit those because I think there's, um, 
there's a quality that you can't quite measure specifically because it comes from it's like when you do an edit it's when someone else does their own edit it's their own you know like I said it's a conversation it's a communication it's something that only you can present in the way that you see the subject that you're creating art around and so when people watch those I want them to understand that As I said, it's a conversation, but the videos are as much about me as a person, as a creator, as it is about the subject in the videos. So whether that's Archie, whether it's Megan, whether it's Harry, whether it's Doria um, or whoever. And I guess I would liken it to this, like when you watch a film, a movie, you're watching the actors, but you're also watching the editor and the director and Of course, many other people are talking about a movie, but the conversation they're having with the viewer about their choices, you know, and their perspective on the story they're trying to tell. So in the Dr. Maya Angelou Still I Rise video, I wanted to portray the opposite of what she must have been feeling in that one interview taken from that documentary where she she seemed very sad about what she was going through. So you'll notice Throughout the video, throughout the edit, there are photos and clips of her smiling. That's a deliberate choice. In every single image or video clip, she is smiling and radiating her light, almost spitting in the faces of those who want to, quote, see her broken as the poem asks. Another thing from that, the line at the end, I am the dream and the hope of the slave, At that part, there's a clip of an 11-year-old Megan writing a letter. And in the background, you see pages upon pages of her, as we now know, impeccable penmanship. Now, that and those words of the poem reminded me of a time when African-Americans were jailed, beaten, maimed, and murdered for daring to learn how to read and write. And here is this remarkable woman a descendant of those same American slaves, now a royal princess and one of the most influential people in the world. And so I guess what I wanted to say was just like they tried and failed to break Megan's ancestors because they did try. Try as they might, they will fail to break her. And she doesn't just smile for show. She smiles from within. And I wanted that to come across. And I hope that can and will be the case for all of us. So I'm grateful that you guys are right with me as I tell these stories on my platforms. And I believe storytelling is one of the most powerful forces there is. And so I guess in some small way, I feel like I want to do my part. And I want the videos that I create to be sort of a soft landing place for like minds looking for inspiration or some kind of lightness to their spirit because there's so much negativity. Um, And a lot of times we can give in to that. And if we're not careful, the negativity can overtake us. So I guess I'm just trying to be a counter to that. I'm also very grateful to build and foster community on a pro-Sussex platform with dynamic people such as yourselves. And it's all for the cause of promoting Megan and Harry's work in this positive space. So the squad, you guys are amazing. And I'm glad to count myself in your number. And from the beginning, so many of you guys have been asking me 
if and how you could support my efforts to build the YouTube channel and, of course, my podcast, The Sussex Set, um, how you could help on a regular basis. Well, Patreon, again, it just seemed like a good fit. And again, Tina, thank you for letting me know about this. Um, that's real community. So, and I know the Sussexes are doing community on their Instagram this month. So you definitely demonstrate that, um, period. Period, sis. Um, <laughs> and of course, uh, I hope the other platforms also get on there as well. If you can't become a patron of my page, please do not worry. My content is for everyone, any and everybody who identifies with it. Um, but please continue to engage and commune with us or with me on the YouTube channel, iTunes, um, wherever you get your podcast, uh, <laughs> as you've always done. But if you would like to become a patron first, thank you. But secondly, please only give what you know you won't miss. Okay. Like for real, for real, for real disposable only please um because seriously I don't want anybody going without on my behalf you know I've been doing this for free would do it for free indefinitely okay because it's, it's important to me um but again it's just a space for people who have asked for the space so please don't feel pressured uh but nonetheless Thank you all for your constant support of Sussex platforms and for your encouragement around my creative efforts. I can't thank you enough. And you have no idea how appreciative I am of you guys and have been up to this point. And um, this community constantly amazes me and I can't wait to see what's next. So with that, that's all I have for today. Please make sure you find me on Twitter at Sussex Squad. Find me on Instagram at Sussex Set. Oh, real quick. Thank you to Daniel Martin for engaging just briefly with uh, me on Twitter. <laughs> really engaging with the video, the edit, uh, the Still I Rise, Maya Angelou edit. Um, and really thank you guys as well Uh to be honest, when I when I made that, I really didn't I knew what it meant to me, but I, I didn't really realize how needed it was <laughs> at the time. Um, that You might find that hard to believe because, you know, seeing her talk about her experiences of Royal, um, like it really got to my soul, too. Um, but honestly, it's something that I had been meaning to do for a very long time. That's why if you go back into my podcast titles. Um, one of them is titled Still She Rises. And so if you're a black American woman or black woman or woman in general, <laughs> or my Angelou fan, you know that poem and the significance it can play in your life. And every time I've thought about it, every time I've heard it, um, I've seen so many parallels in the people who've talked about uh, anything Megan has done and, and engaged in the various uh, channels and platforms. Every time you hear a reference to that poem, even if it's just some random occurrence, it reminds you of what Megan is going through and what her spirit is made of. Um, this indefatigable thing that she has where you can't sink her, <laughs> you know? Um and Maya Angelou was certainly one of those types of people. Her life is remarkable. So it just seemed it just seemed like a no-brainer to me to finally um, marry those two things. But 
it just so happened to be at a time when truthfully we all needed it most and um to see one of her best friends engage in that and and find meaning from that as well is I mean goosebumps that that kind of gave me goosebumps because it really let me know just how deeply something like that creative content can resonate and I, I promise you I'm not tooting my own horn I'm just I just want to thank all of you guys for um for your response to that and your feedback on that but so it's it's really not about me it's so much of it is about um Megan and so much of it is about what we hope for her because we know what she's trying to do we know what type of person she is and um we just want to demonstrate that we have her back so it doesn't matter if you're Daniel Martin doesn't matter if you're Nacho doesn't matter if you're you know the nice girl that went to school with her in in middle school who talks about how Megan wrote her a letter. It doesn't matter if you're a, a Northwestern alum, a Suits fan, or some random person who's met her on one of her engagements. Sis, we all have your back. And thank you for allowing me to demonstrate that. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel and download the Sussex set wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks in advance for anyone who decides to support on Patreon. I'll make sure to put the link in the description. And as always, thank you guys, squad. You're a blessing. You're an amazing group of people. Um, and we should all be very proud to be a part of this community. I mean, I know I say that every episode, but I really mean it. So um, until next time, peace. I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. Kill me.